Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Race with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas and you're going to have a very great New Year as well as we're finally getting close to turning the calendar over to 2024. Going to finish off 2023 with part two of our New Smyrna Speedway season review from 2023. We have six divisions left to cover in the bowl. It's still sitting here and uh, we're going to cover those last six classes, but we are going to start things off. A little bit differently here today um, as we're closing in on the end of the year. I want to give everybody updated World Series power rankings before we get into our interview segment of this week's show, um, which will be with up-and-coming racer Mr. Eugene Tuminello Jr. So we're going to hear from him in a little bit. And then, like I said, we'll recap the other six divisions on, in segment two and three of this week's show. Uh, coming off a, uh, of course the uh, the Christmas weekend here. We've got little five hundred coming up this week. So this uh, this show, a little peek behind the curtains here. This was recorded in advance, but based on what we do have so far for World Series entries, I have updated the World Series power rankings because we do have some new names that have come in. Um, some have cracked the top ten. Some have not. Uh, so let's go ahead and give that to you quickly before we hear from our special guest here on this edition of the podcast. Um, coming in 10th right now is going to be Gus Dean in the number 57 super late model. Um, Gus, a World Series veteran between super lates and pro lates. I think he might have more starts than than most people recognize, but it looks like he's going to be back in the super late model ranks here in 2024. So we've got him 10th on the list, uh, one of just two Super Lates entered so far. I know there's going to be a whole lot more, but those entries seem to come in late, whereas the Tour Mods are front-loaded. Um, Anthony Bello slips down to the ninth position as it's been announced he's going to run his Tour Modify, the number 179, for the full week of the World Series. Um, like I said in the last edition of the Power Rankings, I believe he's going to be a, uh, a hot shoe, one you're going to have to watch. Lee Sharpstein in the 602 Modified is going to come in eighth. Um, he's entered the 602s, which already have 20-plus entries. Uh, they're going to run three races this year. I would expect Lee to be up in the mix of all three of them. Um, could very well sweep the week. Eric Goodale is seventh on our list now. He has put his entry in. He was not on the list last time with the power ranking, so he slips up into the seventh position. It's looking like it's going to be a pretty competitive tour mod season. Of course, last year... Matt Hirschman and Patrick Emmerling kind of spanked everybody. They were 1-2 pretty much every single night. Um, I think some other guys are going to come in here and mix things up. So I'd, I'd look for Eric Goodale to do that, possibly sneak in a win or two. Uh, Jimmy Renfro is going to slide down to the sixth position here this week, uh, but he's the top-ranked prolate model driver thus far in the entries that have come in. Uh, the prolates last year, I feel like there was 10 to 12 of them at this point. we got about seven so far. At the time of this recording, which, like I said, I'm recording a little bit ahead of schedule to get these shows out with the Christmas holiday and the little 500 coming up uh, during Christmas week. It's going to be a hectic week, but I want to make sure we got this show out in time because um, after you listen to this show, we'll have plenty of racing to talk about. So that's uh, that's some good news. Um, so in the top five now, and this may some this may surprise some people. It's another Tourmod driver. It's a new driver that wasn't on the list here a week ago. Tommy Catalano, the Catalano family, has entered the World Series here once again with four cars. They have Amy, Tommy, 
Trevor and Tyler Catalano all registered for this year's series. I think Tommy, who's been uh, pretty darn competitive on the Wheeling Tour, I think he's going to be one to watch. I think he's finally going to break through. It's it's hard to believe, but the only Catalano win in World Series competition before um, the 602 deal last year uh, was a, a B feature win by, uh, oh goodness, I can't remember who it was. It was a couple of years ago. So I, th- I think Tommy's going to look to get that first Catalano A main at the World Series in the, the Tour Modifieds. Um, so he comes in fifth on the list here. Luke Baldwin still hanging on to fourth with the 602 mod. I think Luke is going to be the, the man to beat in the 602s, especially considering what he did last year winning the championship. And I know that team, they're going to go to Auburndale. I could see them winning a couple of races at Auburndale, win a couple, winning a couple of races at New Smyrna, making a hell of a weekend. Um, Derek Griffith, still third on the list, uh, top-ranked super late model driver. Um, I, I think, based on the list right now, he's going to win every race. But uh, there's going to be plenty of drivers, some coming and going. Uh, that ASA Stars National Tour race is going to be one hell of a show. There's going to be 30-plus cars in that race. There, there might be 40 cars that show up for that race. You never know. Um, so I got Derek third on the list and still ahead of him. No change in the top two positions thus far. Patrick Emmerling still number two in the tour mod and Ron Silk number one. As I said on the last edition of the Power Rankings two shows ago, if you haven't heard it, uh, it was in segment three a couple weeks ago. Um, Ron Silk didn't really get his fair play during last year's World Series. Of course, he won the tour mod race, the wheel and tour race. And then night one of the actual Tormod World Series, he blew a motor, and that was it for them. So I think he's going to come out and um, compete against uh, the likes of Patrick Emmerling and probably Matt Hirschman. I don't have an entry for Matt Hirschman yet, but uh, usually they're one of the first ones. So I don't know what their plans are, but, you know, if Matt Hirschman's there, of course this uh, this list is going to change a bit, and, and it will. Next time we do power rankings, it will change significantly. So that's where we're at right now. Of course, you can see the full entries updated daily on the New Smyrna Speedway website. Same with the Red Eyes. Entry slowly rolling in. I think after Christmas, as we get into New Year's week, it's really going to start popping off. So, of course, we'll have updates and we'll continue our Welcome Post series on the New Smyrna website as well. So if you're a local driver, I know a lot of locals listening to this, um, let me know if you're racing. If you can't figure out the My Race Pass entry uh, for local classes, a, a simple, hey, hey Ryan, I'm, I'm going to race race x uh just let me know i can get you on the list um i like to build the entry list of, of course they're always non-committal uh so if something comes up and you're not able to make it look i'm not going to hold it against you i might wonder where you are but i'm not going to hold it against you uh people want to know who's racing that's the number one question we get leading up to race days so um that's that's why i do these entry posts that's why i, I try to use cars that enter on on promotions and stuff like that because people that's what people want to know they they want to know what they're spending their money on they want to know who they're going to get to see so uh that's why i make an emphasis on that uh to some it doesn't matter but to me and what i deal with it really does so i think i thank you to everybody uh like 60 plus entries already for world series it might even be at 70 at this point i haven't counted recently but quite a few are coming in so um yeah i really appreciate it so um like I said, um, we still have three divisions to cover on our uh, part two of the New Smyrna Speedway 2023 recap. Before we get to that, uh, we're going to take a moment here, switch gears, and we're going to hear from Eugene Tuminello Jr., driver of the number 35 Superstock, uh, sometimes number 60 Superstock, uh, but most importantly right now, number 35 Emod, where he's setting the world on fire at both New Smyrna and Auburndale. So, Stay tuned for that. Eugene Tuminello joins us on the show next. 
All right, everybody, on the Race with Ryan hotline today, we have a very special guest joining us on the program, driver of the number 35 E-Mod. Let's welcome in a good friend of ours, Mr. Eugene Tuminello Jr. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, Ryan. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, definitely looking forward to getting back to racing season. I'm definitely missing it already. Uh, I know it's a short off season, but, man, I'm itching to go racing. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny that we say off-season, but uh, we're kind of stacked up with the E-Mod still because we still have uh, a race date on, actually, uh, New Year's Eve coming up. So, I mean, there's always an off-season, but I think our off-season is really containing of uh, only about a month. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look hard enough, you can find a track that's racing somewhere and at least go to the races. So, yeah, our, our off-season is almost non-existent, and uh, you got the uh, the race coming up. Uh, is that for the charity race uh, at Auburndale? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, that'll be a good one. You're going to be running on, uh, what's that, uh, Saturday evening, correct? Yes, I do believe so. And then they have the big uh, super late and truck race on Sunday afternoon. That's always a great event. That was actually supposed to happen about a week ago and got rained out. So I'm glad that you're going to be able to make it back. Um, so as we get into this interview here, I kind of want to start at the beginning. What got you interested in racing? I know your family was into it. I'm sure that's kind of how it got started, but what was it that sucked you into it all? Um, you know, like you said, my family watching my dad and my uncle race, uh, that always had a big impact on it. But, uh, you know, we had a time where we stopped racing around 2015 and, uh, just watching NASCAR, you know, after all them years of just growing up, I, I grew up on NASCAR and uh, just watching that almost every single week with my mom on every Sunday. It was always fun to sit down and watch it with her. And uh, that, that was a big impact on uh, racing for me. And eventually when I just first hopped into a car for the first time, you know, the speed, you know, a lot of video games too. You know, if I was watching NASCAR on Sunday right after the race, I'd go load up the same exact track and car and try to recreate the race just trying to, run my creation of my mind so uh it was definitely video games watching nascar with my mom and just eventually when i got into it i knew this is what i wanted to do and you're still a young guy you're kind of an up-and-comer still if if you ask me um how old were you when you first got into a race car i was 13 years old and uh it was actually about two days before my birthday uh, i ended up getting into a race car for the first time so that was fun and uh, eventually, uh, when I turned 14, I was allowed to race at New Smyrna, and I ended up popping into it and ended up starting my racing career. Yeah, and you started over there in the Superstock Division, very competitive class, and you had some really good runs, and then you had some really bad luck. And I feel like uh, the last year or so that you raced that class, it was kind of nothing but bad luck. I, I'll never forget the race you were leading with a handful of laps to go, and the tire comes off and uh, ruins your night. I mean... How tough is that, thinking you're finally going to get a victory and then everything just kind of falls apart, especially since you're so early in your racing career? Um, It's happened to me quite a few times, but, I mean, it's always a tough break, especially uh, looking back now because I was maybe uh, 14, 15 years old when that happened. And, uh, you know, looking back, you know, I was all bummed out about it. But, I mean, as you mature, you look back on uh, what has happened in the past and, you realize just to take it on the chin and keep going, you know, racing is always a, it's always a game of surprises. You don't know, really know what's going to happen. So, um, 
it was hard for me at a younger age, but, you know, as you grow up and mature, you just end up taking it on the chin and just got to keep on moving. Well, and I bet that makes it feel a hell of a lot better when you finally do have things go the right way and you get a win. That makes all the all the defeats, all the close calls, it's going to make it feel a lot better, right? Oh, it definitely does. You know, um, my first win and the EMOD at New Smyrna definitely wasn't the way I wanted it to go with uh, having to get it in tech, but, I mean, a win's a win, and, you know, all that relief right there from all the hard work that we put in for the past four years and just trying to dig for our first win and just to hear that I finally got one was just, it was just the biggest relief in the world. Yeah, and you mentioned the EMOD. Uh, you kind of started off with the Super Stocks, which is like an eight-cylinder street stock type class. Uh, that's what your family raced for a long time. Um, you are very competitive your first couple of years. Um, got caught up in a couple of incidents that kind of set you behind. Uh, you only raced the Super Stock, I believe, one time last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what facilitated the change from the family-owned Super Stock to the car that you're in now? How did all that come together? Um, you know, obviously with the street stock or super stock it you know it was, a, it was a rough ride for us um you know we had great success in it but we also had a lot a lot of failure in it as well well it wouldn't necessarily say failure but we had a lot of problems and things not go our way and uh i was in the process of rebuilding it and uh i went to uh cordial with uh, jeff white and them to help him out with their pro late and pro truck and uh, at the time brian was owning the pro truck and i heard that he ended up uh trading it for the emod and uh what happened was is we were just there and i was just helping out and we were all having a good time and uh on the way back i on the way back around two two o'clock in the morning brian asked if i'm still awake and uh he asked me he said hey would you like to drive my emod and i i mean me surprised and uh grateful for this opportunity i took it and uh just from now on we've just been going with the emod and i mean i was never a huge fan of modifieds but i can tell you i'm a huge fan now yeah completely different experience and i, I remember we chit-chatted a couple of weeks ago on the on the hot mic show that i do with the other announcers and stuff and you're saying how different it really was compared to the super stocks what kind of what is the difference um between the super stock and, and an emod i've seen a lot of drivers go from the super stocks to the emods but i know it's got to be different so from from the driver himself, what is the difference between the two classes? You know, uh, I believe I said this on the last podcast, the throttle response, you know, it picks up right away. There's always, you're always, uh, not, not necessarily sliding, but you're always up on the wheel in the EMOD. You know, it doesn't matter what track you bring it to. It's always, up. it's always a close racing class and you're always up on the wheel. Uh, another big thing about it is the weight. Uh, you know, the super stock, it weighs 3,200 pounds. And then you go ahead and get in the EMOD, and it weighs around like 2,700 pounds. And, I mean, it's just a whole different thing. You know, you go from having a full stock chassis to having the stock front clip and the rest of it, too. So, I mean, that's a big that's a big factor is the weight. You know, if they weighed the same, I'm sure it would be around almost like the same driving-wise. But, I mean, they just weigh totally opposite, and it, it really threw me off my first ever time hopping into the car with the whole weight and the throttle response that always threw me off so would you say the transition from super stock to the emod especially since the opportunity presented itself and you can't turn down an opportunity like that would you say it's been a good transition for you i would say it's been an amazing one um you know 
if we ended up not taking this or this deal never came along, I don't know where I'd be right now for racing because, you know, I still have the super stock that uh, just got painted and finally getting ready to get out there. But uh, I wouldn't have really any races because we took our other super stock and ended up taking it apart and are getting ready to sell that. And we had a few other projects laying around, but I don't even know if we would have had the time to put those together. Yeah, so it's it's a good thing this opportunity did come, and uh, it's kind of cool that you've been able to now experience some other racetracks as well. You guys have been going over to Auburndale running with their A-Mods, which are similar. Uh, you're one of the few teams that's kind of been able to switch back and forth from New Smyrna, which is a completely different beast from most of the other tracks around here. Um, are you having fun visiting these other racetracks as well? Yeah, um, I'm always open to seeing what's new and what's different about other racetracks. And uh, I've been over to Auburndale a few times before I ended up getting the race on it. And uh, it's totally different from a driver's perspective. You know, you kind of look at Auburndale and you think there's no banking on it. But once you actually get down on the track, you can see the actual uh, degrees of banking. It's not a lot. It's definitely not like the high banks of New Smyrna. But, you know, that was one thing that was surprised me about Auburndale was uh, it actually had a little bit decent amount of banking. And, uh, you know, it's always fun taking the car from New Smyrna to Auburndale and still running up in the same position. So that's cool for me to experience. Yeah, it's it's tough to make a car work well at both types of racetracks. I've seen really fast cars struggle at the smaller tracks, and then really good cars at the smaller tracks struggle at the bigger tracks. And you guys have been able to um, get that figured out. Of course, it's a, a very good piece. Um, you know, now you're, you're behind the wheel of it. Jeffrey White had success with it. Um, which which is always a good thing. You still got to know how to wheel the thing, but it, it's been amazing to watch you how quickly you've adapted to it. I mean, you've got a win at New Smyrna, you got some wins at Auburndale. Um, you're definitely not a, a one track wonder, one track pony, as they would say. Um, you you can kind of pick it up and get the feel for it and go. And and to me, that's what makes a good racer. You've got to be successful at multiple types of tracks, and you and your team have figured it out, um, at least at two of them. And I'm sure if you went over to Citrus, you know, you, you get it figured out there and Showtime or, you know, whatever other track, Freedom Factory, whatever it is. Uh, to me, that's that's been the most impressive thing is to watch you go from Superstock, you know, kind of from a Superstock family, have some success there, have some misfortune, and then go to EMOD and just been extremely successful. And that's going to give you a lot of confidence here going forward. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you know, one big thing about the EMOD 2 as well is uh, right before my dad ended up finishing his career with his racing, uh, he ended up having the EMOD, and uh, he ended up building one, and he brought it to New Smyrna for the first time, and Tech told him, hey, thank you for bringing your car out, but this is our final race for this class. We're going to discontinue this class. Of course. And and uh, that, that it was pretty cool to know that I want to kind of follow my father's footsteps on what he's raced. And it's cool that know that now I've hopped into both cars that he's raced before and uh, still having great success in both of them. Yeah. So I'm, I bet you guys are glad that uh, they brought the class back. I, personally, when they announced they were going to bring it back, I was skeptical because you never know what's going to happen with a new class, but now it's, it's one of the best modified classes and it's picked up throughout the state, you know, the, the A mods and the E mods. So I'm glad it's back. I'm glad you're getting the opportunity to get back on track because you know, it might not matter coming from me, but we we missed having we, we missed having you guys out there. Uh, when you took the the break off, you know, from 2015, you guys weren't out there for a while, and then 
you came back, uh, raced for a few years, and and you weren't racing as much. We definitely missed having you guys around. Um, but then to see you hop in the EMOD, and it's like a whole new chapter of the Tuminello uh, racing family career here, the racing history. So it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I uh, wanted to ask you, what are the plans? Now, obviously, you have the charity race coming up here before the end of the year, but what are the plans for 2024? Uh, definitely, we're going to run full-time with the EMOD at New Smyrna. Uh, we'll have a few select races over at Auburndale uh, during the year, but uh, we will run full-time at New Smyrna within the EMOD. I'll have a few handful of races in the Superstock um, at New Smyrna, uh, and then eventually I'm just going to hand it over to either my dad or my uncle, whichever one wants to race it. Uh, going to end up a uh, car chief in it for them. Uh, hopefully we could pull off a win in the Superstock because that's something I have not done yet. That's something that's bothering me is that I haven't gotten to win the Superstock. So I'll run a select races of those. Um, not Definitely not done with them. I'll race those all the way until I can't race no more. Um, so I mean, you- we got a sportsman laying around that we're not too sure what we're going to do. We're definitely looking to get a pro truck because pro truck racing right now is just honestly at the top of its game. You know, I'd say so. In my, opinion, in my opinion, in the state of Florida, pro trucks right now are the most competitive class and that's what we want to step our feet into and uh try to see if we can have great success with that yeah i can appreciate that and um you know you, you mentioned the the super stock sounds like you have unfinished business there but you're going to set your sights on the championship for the emod and i gotta tell you um that class has come around it here at, at smyrna over there at auburndale and, and elsewhere um you're gonna have Quite a bit of competition. If if Dylan runs full-time again next year, uh, he's two-time champion, so you're going to have to deal with him. Jarrett Corpy's been fast. Uh, there's a couple of other guys um, that you might have to worry about on a weekly basis. I think that's going to be very competitive for the championship. Obviously, uh, the drivers that show up every week are going to have the best shot at it, but I think you're going to have to uh, really deal with some other guys. Who would you say is the biggest competition in the EMOD slash AMOD world right now? Um... That I mean, that's hard because you, you go to New Smyrna and the last time we raced at New Smyrna, uh, Dylan Lobo started in the back. But you had me, Williams, and Corpy up front. And I mean, all three of us ran all together the whole 25 laps. Yeah, I forgot about Williams. He's going to be good too. And, uh, you know, Dylan hasn't had, or Dylan Williams, he hasn't had a bunch of starts in EMOD, same with me. But, I mean, he's someone that I've noticed to be really fast and uh, he'll always be fast, especially with Corpy. You know, I watched Corpy. I grew up watching Corpy race against my dad and, uh, you know, he's always been fast all these years. Corpy's always been fast. So that's definitely someone I got to look out for. And uh, you got Dylan LeBeau. He's a two time champion. Uh, he just won it. I believe back to back. That's someone that you always got to watch out for. And uh, down at Alberdale in the A mod world, uh, you know, they got a lot of fast guys, especially with it being a little track. Uh, you know, everything's so tight, close racing together. You know, honestly, I believe if you bring a modified out to Alberdale, anybody's a factor. Yeah. Anybody it, is. As long as you're so, not the lap car that turns down in front of the leaders, it's, you know, everybody's competitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. But yeah, everyone down at Alberdale, I mean, it's anybody's ball game. Yeah, and that's what makes those those smaller tracks uh, so much fun. You know, it's not all about motor there. Um, you got to have skill, of course. You got to have a good handling race car. Uh, but it kind of keeps the playing field a little closer together, anyways. 
Um, which, you know, hey, the more people that are competitive makes the wins feel even better. If you go out in a six-car field and there's only one fast guy, you know, hey, a, a win's a win. I'm sure it feels good, but it's got to feel extra special when you know you've beaten some really fast and, and fast race cars and good drivers. Yeah, that's definitely like a self-pat on the back when you can go out there and you can end up knowing what competition you're racing against and knowing this type of skill and uh, capable of a driver that other people are and uh, end up beating them. It's definitely, it's a great feeling. So obviously you've uh, you've raced the Superstock and E-Mod like we talked about and the, the Superstock that's a, got close family ties. Um, and from what you said earlier, it sounds like you'll race that any opportunity you get. But if you had, if money was no obstacle, if you could do anything you wanted, what division would you like? And let's 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 pick New Smyrna for for this instance. If you could pick any division to race full time at New Smyrna, what would it be? What would be your favorite division to race? You know, there's a lot of good ones. There there really is a lot of good ones. Um, you know, the EMOP classes, honestly been a blast super stocks have always been a blast for use for years um you know but i know obviously it's the most expensive class but you know getting my name just into the entry list of a governor's cup would be my dream you know i've been watching that race since i can't since i could remember and uh watching rich clouds race it back when uh he was driving for bobby and Sadie was sponsoring it. It's just, it's always been a dream for me to hop into a super late model and end up just even qualifying for the event of Governor's Cup. That's always been a dream for me. Well, I think if you continue to uh, impress people, it might happen someday. You never know. So super late model, I, I feel like a lot of people would love to drive a super late model, especially in the Governor's Cup. I mean, whipping a car like that around New Smyrna going, you know, 17 second laps, that's got to be a rush. Um but man, I'm telling you, you get an EMOD championship, you keep working your way up the ranks. If you get into pro trucks and start winning there, I think you'll you'll definitely turn some more heads. And uh, you're so young, too. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. You're, you're well-spoken for your age. Uh, you, you seem to handle yourself well through adversity, and I think that's going to play into a, a good racing career for you as well. So um, I, I've been impressed. I've known you your entire racing career, and uh, you know, I've seen the ups, the the downs, and now the the tribulation of uh, getting those victories. So it's been fun to watch, man, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing you run for the championship this year. I, I like watching people run the full season because you get to see them week to week. You get to see improvement. You get to see them experience the highs and lows of a full season. You know, we get a lot of people that just kind of come to this race, come to that race. There's really no momentum. There's no storylines, but with you, it's going to be fun to watch, and it's going to make the EMOD Championship for 2024 uh, pretty darn competitive, I think. So I think um, we have a lot of good things to look forward to uh, with watching you and the EMODs. I'm definitely excited for it. Um, you know, like I said, yeah, we're, we're quote-unquote in the off season, but it's not really the off season. So I'm glad you have some racing coming up here, and I, I feel like that'll uh, that'll keep you active, and, and, and you know, you won't, you won't be rusty come March when the season starts at, at New Smyrna. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just super excited for what we have going on for 2024. And uh, I personally believe it's going to be a good year. You know, you always go into it hoping that it's going to be. But, I mean, just something with this EMOD, and it's just, it almost fits my driving style. Well, there you go. Couldn't be more perfect, man. Well, hey, uh, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your evening to uh, to talk to us here. And uh, 
Um, it's always fun to have guests on the show and hear from the drivers because it's one thing for me to look at what I saw on the racetrack and talk about it, but to hear from you guys what's really going on is, is always uh, the best thing. So I want to thank you for, for taking some time. Give you the opportunity before we let you go here. Um, I know you got a lot of people helping you out. you got a lot of sponsors. Go ahead and give them some love. You know, uh, first things first, got to thank my mom and dad, my two parents that brought me into this world. It's always a blessing to have them by my side, especially during my racing career. Got to thank my sisters, uh, my girlfriend. Uh, got to thank the family business, the Berry Paint Body. Um, you know, if we didn't have that, wouldn't be racing. Got to thank the man himself for giving me the opportunity to race modified Brian Mylar. It's always nice for him calling me every week and discussing on what's our next move and it's always nice having Brian. You know, he's a really good guy, and I'm just so blessed for the opportunity he's given me. Got to thank Jeff White. You know, if it wasn't for Jeff White, once again, I I, don't, I wouldn't even know half of the car of the EMOD. I wouldn't understand any of it. And uh, he's always been a big help with me understanding the car and uh, how setup-wise goes. Uh, Jeffrey White for kind of coaching me through the EMOD so far. Uh, he's helped me a big time a lot in New Smyrna and Auburndale. You know, I walked into Auburndale with kind of like a blindfold on, not really knowing what to expect. And uh, he ended up helping coaching me through it. I uh, got to thank everybody who comes out, you know, Kevin and Donnie and uh, Willie for the last time he came out. I believe he's coming out with us again for uh, New Year's. Got to thank them. You know, it's hard for me and dad just to go out to the racetrack and trying to find help. It's always a big thank you when anybody comes out and helps you know it gets a lot of uh, stress off of our backs and i've got to thank jimmy o uh he's we've had a great relationship for the past four years our race cars have been down at his shop he's helped us rebuild them several times even though we always have a joke uh he builds my air boxes and i destroy one and he gets a little upset but it's always been a good inside joke for us and uh that's pretty much it. You know, the whole family that's always comes out and be supportive, you know, it's a big thank you to them as well. Well, it takes a lot of people to, uh, to make these cars go around in circles. It seems so easy, but, uh, it's really not. It takes a lot of hands-on work to get these things to the racetrack and make them go fast. And, uh, I'm glad you got yourself a good ride. We're looking forward to uh, seeing you again here come 2024 and, um, definitely looking forward to being down there talking to you in victory lane. I'm sure it's going to happen. So, Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll see how you do over at Auburndale here in uh, in just a couple of days. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. That is Eugene Tuminello Jr. calling in, discussing his transition from the Super Stocks to the E-Mods and his plans for the upcoming seasons. I think we're going to see a lot of Eugene, and I'm sure we'll hear about him um, up in Victory Lane quite a bit at New Smyrna and Auburndale. Hey everyone, we want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years, not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom made. 
We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple of years ago, and they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting, Um, They do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services. He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. So if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian, get a hold of him, and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the Zero Four Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, 
just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or can give us a call at 321-356-2934. an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's resume our recap of the 2023 New Smyrna Speedway season. We have six divisions left, six of them in the bowl here. So I'm going to go ahead and reach in and pick our next class to talk about. So, of course, if you did not listen to part one of the recap, please go back and do so and then come back for the rest of this. So we're going to start off in a big way. We have the David Rogers Super Late Models just picked out of the jar here, out of the bowl, whatever the hell we want to call it today. David Rogers Super Late Models, whatever surgeons here in 2023. Of course, 2022, the return of the Sunbelt Series, the Six Pack Series, whatever the heck you want to call that. We're going to call that the Sunbelt Series from now on. But it is a six-race series. And last year, we only got two of those. It was a third of what we had scheduled, of course, with the rainouts, with the track conditions towards the end of the year. Um, it was tough. And, of course, the first race of the year... It was only about five or six cars. It was a tough showing. It was slow to get off the ground. But this year, the Super Late Models made a strong comeback. We had good car counts pretty much all the way through. I think the worst we started was like 13, which I'm reviewing old Red Eyes from from the past to write a series for the countdown on the New Smyrna website. We're getting Red Eye fields back in the good old days of you know, 12 cars. So it, to me, it's tough with these super late model cars. It's tough on the drivers. It's tough on the racetracks to, to do what they can to even get a decent amount of them there. Um, but I'll tell you this year's Sunbelt season was really, really good. I, I, I don't think there was a, a bad race in the bunch and we had some different winners. We had very competitive fields. I, I think the, the days of worrying about Super late model racing at New Smyrna are over. If there's a super late model race at New Smyrna, just go. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be like those those old, you know, Clyde Hart memorials back in the day when you got a handful of cars, and it was a good show. And that's what we got six times in 2023. Thankfully, we did get all the races in. Of course, the, um, the first race was the Orange Blossom 100 at the conclusion of the World Series. Um, that had positive and negative effects. And I would say mostly positive because we ha- we got to see drivers like Nick White, Trent Hennick pull over to the World Series, where else I don't think they would have come out to the World Series at all, if not for the Sun Belt. But the only negative was you had a couple of drivers in there that kind of mixed things up. But I, I think the the small negative definitely outweighed by the the bigger positive there. I think the Running a race of the World Series helps the super late models, and that's it. Um, some of those tour, some of those guys at the World Series, you might actually be able to get back down here for a few races, especially if this thing establishes itself. Uh, I'm not a fan of it for the uh, prolates. There's too many out of towners, um, too many good cars left at the end of the World Series, uh, so it hurts the locals there. Uh, with with the prolates already kind of being a more local thing anyway. And then the Florida modifieds, it doesn't, it, the, the, the six races during the regular season are perfect. Um, if they were to go back and rethink this, I think the world series, the only place, uh, the super late models at the world series, the only place you run a, a sunbelt race during the world series this year, 
In 24, it ain't happening. We get six regular season races, um, of course, Governor's Cup included in that. So with that said, Brad May, of course, did win the championship, but it was close. It was close than a lot of people think. Brad was one of two drivers that ran all six races. So um, we're not quite there with you know, a handful of drivers committing to the whole thing. It's still kind of, well, I'm able to run this week, so I'll be there this week. Um, and, and that's a good problem to have. Some, some of the super late model drivers run the, the sportsmen, run other things, which is fine. So sometimes you only get those guys for half the races, and that is what it is. But I'm hoping that this year we can get back to more of a, a competitive championship deal with the Sunbelt Series. Nothing against Brad May. I mean, he's going to be in championship contention whether it's five drivers or two, he's he's going to be in contention. But it was close with between he and Michael Goddard. Uh, penultimate race, the the heart-to-heart race back at the end of 2023. Things got very interesting. Brad May and team had to go back home. They blew up the primary car in practice. Had to go back home, get a backup car, untested, uh, unraced backup car. And it was a good field of cars that night. Brad qualified in the back. It looked like he was going to get zero points for qualifying, but instead they mustered something, and Michael Goddard had a good qualifying run. And it was going to make it a championship fight in Governor's Cup. However, that was the race Michael Goddard got turned around on lap three and basically stuffed in the fence. Now, Brad still had to come out to Governor's Cup and race his tail off, which he did along with Michael Goddard. He still won the championship only by 53 points to a driver that was not here for the World Series race. So there's there's the negative. Um, you know, if all these races had happened during the regular season, I think Michael Goddard and Brad May, they come down to the final few laps of Governor's Cup because they were close on the racetrack. Um, so who knows? Uh, obviously, hindsight 2020 there. Um, but yeah, Brad May gets the championship. Two victories on the year, four top fives, five top tens. And again, he did start all six races. Michael Goddard, second in points, valiant effort. Got his first career win in the 37 cars. His own family team got the win. Um, they had some troubles elsewhere throughout the year. Then John Kaufman came a-calling, put him in the 58 car for the rest of the year. And I'm telling you, Michael Goddard got all the good out of that 58 car. It was really fun to watch. In a great year. I, I know Michael didn't win the championship, but in my opinion, that's one of the best um, team efforts and kind of multiple team efforts that we've we've seen in a long time. So kudos to Michael Goddard's team and John Kaufman's team for putting together a hell of a season. Brian Finney had another great year as he's returned to racing. Another good positive of the Sunbelt series is getting Brian Finney back on track for these races. He got uh, one top five, three top tens out of the five races he started. Daniel Webster only made four races, but finished fourth in the point standings with three top fives, four top tens. Um, he did great. Daniel Webster had a great 2023 all the way around. Uh, top five in points in the Sportsman Series. And then uh, top five in points here in the Sunbelt Series. So he did a great job. Uh, coming home in fifth, Michael Atwell, who got his first career win, not the way he wanted it. He was so disappointed at the heart-to-heart coming up short to Ryan Moore on the racetrack, but got the win in tech. And I know that's not the way he wants to get his win. So in my opinion, Michael Atwell is still very, very hungry to come back out here and prove himself next year. Um, I like his stat line, though. One win, two top fives, three top tens, and four features one two three four pretty cool top rookie on the tour well on the series i should say it's not really a tour uh, it's a series trenton hennick in the 17 he did make all six starts um rookie driver new team still learning the ropes um 
didn't have the spotter in the right place for the Governor's Cup. A little, little bit of everything happened for that team, but it was still a good season for them. So Trent Hennick, sixth in points and wins Rookie of the Year. Steve Weaver, seventh in points, made four of the six races, missed a couple towards the end of the year, uh, but still seventh in points for that team, not bad. George Gorham returned to New Smyrna for three of the six races, finishing eighth in points with two top fives and two top tens for his efforts. Bobby Good, one of the locals, surprisingly only made three starts. Um, I'm not sure why, but that we missed him on a couple of occasions when we figured they'd be there. So hopefully we'll see more of the 27 team. Uh, but they did finish ninth in points with a top five and two top tens. Um, he did win a Sunbelt uh, race last year when it returned. He and Brad May were the two winners last year. Uh, but nothing for Bobby this year. Hopefully we'll see more of that team in uh, 24. John Kaufman, though, rounding out the top 10 in the other 58 car, made four of the six starts with a top 10 for his name. But in my opinion, that whole team, John Kaufman and that whole team, Rich Clauser helped at the beginning of the year, and then Michael Goddard took over the reins at the end of the year, and uh, it was it was good progress. That whole team, Marines, Kaufman racing team, I mean, they turned the corner this year, and love to see it. 11th in points, I'm going to go down to 15th in points because most of these guys made, made significant effort this year. Uh, Bobby Gordon, 11th in points, uh, made the last four races of the season, and uh, he'll be back for red eye. Um, so he's a former figure eight guy. Says he 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 loves running news from running, misses the figure eight stuff, but he's turning his focus now to racing here, and uh, it's going to be fun to see how uh, how much improvement there is in 24. Colin Allman, 12th in points, only made two starts, but a top five, two top tens for his trouble. Timothy Watson, second in the rookie standings, made two starts. You know, this, this was... The only thing that really disappointed me this year, um, they came out to a couple races at the beginning of the season, and they got frustrated. They were there the first night, uh, the first race that they raced, they were there. That was the night when um, the invert was a zero, and Michael Goddard, I think, won the race from the pole. Um, Then the next time they come out, Timothy Watson goes on the pole, and the invert was like a six or an eight. So it put him back in the middle of the field. And they were like, what the hell? One time we come and the pole sitter starts on the pole and then we have to start it. They felt like something was screwy. However, they don't understand that the invert is drawn during intermission. We have a fan draw the invert. We announce the invert, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we got to do it like it's not a big charade because the scorers, they need X amount of time during intermission to get the line. Believe me, it's it's all I hear is we need an invert. We need an invert before I can even breathe after the last heat's done. So um, they they were frustrated by that and unfortunately never came back. Uh, Jeff Schofield, 14th in points. Uh, same stat line as Watson, a top five, uh, two top tens and two starts. And Stephen Nassie rounds out the top 15, winning the Governor's Cup, and he made an appearance in the Orange Blossom. So one win, one top five and two top tens for Steven Nassie. Other notables here are uh, sixth the winner on the tour was William Swalich. He won the Orange Blossom 100 back in February. That was his only appearance of the year, and I uh, finished 23rd in points. A total of, a grand total, my goodness, this is pretty impressive, a grand total of 56 drivers on the list here. A um, couple of those uh, show up points, but hey, 56 drivers made an attempt at New Smyrna Speedway in the Florida Sunbelt Series. If we get half of those to run 90% of the races, it'd be really good. But I think uh, next year's going to be just fine with the Sunbelt Series. I know there's a couple super late races elsewhere on top of us. Naturally, that's, you know, 
when you're the Pied Piper and get your schedule out early, you, you just let them, you know, people don't respect that. They walk all over that, unfortunately. Uh, but hey, it is what it is. We, we saw how much things changed last year. Things can still change. Um, oh, on a, on a side note, a lot of things changing with the whole Auburndale 602 and, and Tormod deal. So all of that is looking very positive. See, when, um, when, when you actually can work together and listen to – people might think I, I'm complaining, but I'm pointing things out that other people aren't going to point out. It's not necessarily complaining. It's, it's, it's pointing out an issue. And when you take that into consideration versus just uh, – versus turning a, a side eye to it thinking, you know, why are you whining? Thank God Tommy Baldwin said something. Um, I know more people are going to listen to Tommy Baldwin than my dumb ass, but hey, uh, that whole thing is looking positive. So when things work out to where everybody can win, that's the best for racing. That's the best for the fans. That's the best for the drivers. That is the best for everybody. Versus splitting a pool of 30 and each getting 15, I'd rather each of each all of us get 30. Anywho, I feel like I'm talking to a wall when I'm talking about stuff like that sometimes, so I'm going to move on. Great year for the Florida Sunbelt Series in 2023, and congratulations again to Brad May on another track championship. Oh, breaking news. I talked to Brad May earlier this week as I'm picking up our next division. He will not be at the Red Eye, so wide open. You would think Brad May, if he's going to be at Red Eye in the Pro Late and the Super Late, he's the man to beat. But it is wide open for prolates and superlates at this year's Red Eye. Brad May, um, and I respect this. He's, he's not just not coming. He has a family obligation uh, with his son. Um, he, he has a family trip, and they're going. So I respect – look, as a dad, look, I, I respect that 100%, and that's what I told Brad. And he said, we'll see you at Speed Week. So count on seeing Brad May plenty this season. I'm um, going to miss the red eye, but I said, hey, if you're going to miss one this year, miss that because it's not points for anything. And he's like, yeah, but if it rains and we run it another week, I'll be there. So, you know, Brad wants to be there, but he's also a family man. Mad respect to him and congratulations on another championship. So next up to cover on our 2023 season recap here, another quote-unquote six-pack series. We're going to get away from the six-pack deal. Um, Miss Jane doesn't like it too much, um, you know advertising beer and racing you know cars anyway the mod mini challenge series for 2023 i saw a lot of good out of the mod mini i i see reason to keep them around um but it's still a tough division i've seen some resurgence in the class over at auburndale uh where you know they've been getting god they had 15 last time i was there which was pretty interesting it's a cool class. It's a cool little class. I love the advanced four-cylinder deal. I love the way the cars look. Going back to last week's show and the sportsman and the E-Mods, I love the craftsmanship. Each car looks a little bit different. I love that. Um, it's just, it's tough because it's a, a class that the promoters look at, and, and not to be disrespectful, but the promoters, maybe some fans who are, you know, understand the inner weavings of racing, they kind of look at that as a you know, mid-level class, a mid-card class, if you want to use a wrestling term. Um, and, and so the pay is, you know, according to that. Uh, luckily for our Mod Mini Challenge Series, it's like a 1000 bucks to win. It's not a bad deal. The problem is it's it's tough to win because the Volpius Motorsports just has this division on lock at New Smyrna. 
And that's been the case for years and years and years. And look, I've said what I've had to say, how I didn't think, you know, driver, driver and team A was good for the, whatever, at least they're there, man. And, and all of that is water under the bridge. And we've come to disagree on that, but agree to, um, to, you know, be, be friendly at the racetrack. And that, that to me is the most important thing. And, uh, yeah, it was a dominant season by Sean Bass. Came up one position short of a perfect season. Six races on the year for the Modern Minis. Five wins for Sean Bass. Six top fives, six top tens. Won the championship by 50 po- 54 points over John DeGeorge. Um, the only driver to beat Sean Bass was Jerry Simons at Governor's Cup, who beat him by a couple of car lengths there. Bass had the better car at the end of the race, just couldn't get going on the restarts. So, the car had gotten off the line a little bit better. Maybe, maybe it is a perfect season. But Sean Bass, your champion, five wins on the year. And again, the only one to beat him was his teammate. So perfect season for Volpius Motorsports, that's for sure. Again, John DeGeorge, as we mentioned, uh, second in the point standings, 54 back. Of, a very solid season for John. Four top fives, six top tens. He made all six starts. Um, not sure that we're going to see John in 2023. I want to wish him well if he or his wife happen to listen to this. I know John is... Uh, it's on Facebook, so I, you know, uh, it's public uh, hip surgery. So I wish him the best. I heard that they might be moving back to Texas, so I don't know that we'll be seeing him any. I don't want to say anymore. I never want to say anymore as much. Um, and I wish them the best. It was a great season for John. So if this is his swan song, then it was a good one. Uh, coming home third in the points, Ernie Winton, our rookie of the year from 2022. Uh, two top fives, five top tens, and six starts on the on the series. So a very solid season, third in points, very respectable. Aaron Jackson is our rookie of the year for 2024, or 2023, the years, the turn of the calendar. It always messes with my head. 2023 rookie of the year, Aaron Jackson. One top five and six top tens in the six races that uh, he was able to attend, all six for the Sunbelt Series, or the Mod Mini Challenge Series. I'll get it right. Uh, David Russell, fifth in points, uh, probably would have been third or fourth, but he did miss a race towards the end of the season, but four top fives and four top tens in five features. Not a bad season there for the veteran. Mark Brote made all six races and scored two top fives and six top tens. Got a top five of the Governor's Cup. It was good to see old Mark out there trucking along. Uh, Todd Latour comes home seventh in the point standings. I think he's looking at doing different things next year too. So that might be another driver we're we're down next year. Brad Bland, eighth in the points. Um, only ran half the races. Um, things did not go too well at the World Series, if I remember correctly. Got involved in a wreck, and we only saw him another race or two throughout the year. But one top five, three top tens for his trouble. And uh, coming home ninth in the standings. Sorry, I had to wet the whistle there. Uh, Rex Christensen made three races at the beginning of the season. One top five, three top tens. And then Dylan Reynolds, only ran two races on the season before. That car, though, that Dylan raced is still racing at Auburndale. Um, Dylan Reynolds was driving the Jamie Dixon number eight machine the first half of the season. Got a couple of runner-up finishes to Sean Bass. Famously said, ain't nobody going to beat that car. And then they went and bought a pro truck. So um, then we saw Jared Zebley. He came back throughout the end of the year. Tyler Simpson, I believe they sold the Mod Mini. He's going sportsman racing. Shane Satoris made a couple of starts, got thrown out in tech, never came back. And then uh, Jerry Simons is the only other driver to win back in 14th in the points. And we had a couple of drivers making the one-offs, which we definitely appreciate. 22 drivers made a start in the Mod Minis. They're, look, they're still out there. And like I've said, they're a 
they're a cool division to me. I just don't, I think the Mod Mini Challenge series definitely has legs, and I hope that uh, people realize that uh, we still find it to be a, a great division. And the reason I got moved down to a six-pack series is to, you know, hey, you only got to commit to six races versus, you know, 12 or 13. I know some people want to race more, but the, the Mod Mini races this year, instead of four or five cars for 25 laps, snooze fest, there was actually some cars out there. There was, there was a race or two that, you know, could have used another couple entries, but still, overall, a step, in my opinion, a step in the right direction for what we need to do to keep this class going at New Smyrna. So hopefully it gets some more participants um, and hopefully it catches on a little bit more. But hey, season one for the Mod Mini Challenge series, not bad, not bad at all. Let's take a look at another division before we take our last commercial break and come back and get the last three divisions. So who's going to make segment number two here? Let's find out the Bomber B division. Great division. A lot of fun. Do you remember when the Bomber B division came back? Actually, the Strictly Stocks came back uh, the year prior and we got zero competitors the whole year. Nobody came out to do Strictly Stock. It was a trophy class and everybody said, to hell with that. We brought them, we changed it back to Bomber Bs. Uh, for those wondering, Jane Hart really likes the division name Bomber. That's why we have two of them, Bomber A's and Bomber B's. Um, I learned that when I said, oh, calling them Bomber B's, we should have the fans or we should have a vote on what the division could be called. And I was immediately shot down. Jane likes Bomber B. Bomber B it is. I said, all right, fair enough. Hey, she's going to let us race. I, I think I think she can have her say there, right? At least that's the story I was told. Bomber B's in 2023. Uh, very, very good. Um, you know, I'm thinking back to the Timmy Walters days when he was the only one out there running around by himself. Um, then, you know, we got a handful. It was the year of Timmy Walters, and it was the year of Shane Satoris, and now this year was all Frank Button. Um, you know, he had he had himself a good year. Got himself his first couple of wins. Um, got one at the World Series after Noah Partlow stole the show and didn't go to Tech and then never came back. And then... Um, Frank got the win towards the end of the year when Tony Bromley was DQ'd. So Frank got a couple of wins on the season. It says one in the standings because we're only counting the, the points races here uh, on our recap. Uh, that's not to say that those other races don't matter, but, you know, the we're talking the point season here. Um, I, I just know that Frank still wants to get a, uh, a win on the racetrack. So I think he's got a little bit of hunger left in him, and I'm interested to see what his plans are going to be for 2023. I know he's been... Uh, Hanging around the drag racing scene, working out at the Freedom Factory, and I've been twisting his leg on that because I'm not a drag racing fan. And if anybody knows Frank and I, our relationship is uh, to poke at each other, and that's, uh, you know, I, I don't mean anything derogatory towards it. So someone wanted to get derogatory towards me when I was picking on Frank. Um, but anyway, uh, enough about that. Frank Button, though, a great season. Wins the championship by 57 points over Chase Simons. Chase Simons, though, he came on late and made Frank really have to work for it the rest of the year. Uh, so Frank, with the, with the one win on the season, nine top fives, nine top tens, and 11 races. So only, you know, they raced a lot, and he only had two races outside of the top 10. And pretty much every night, there was more than 10 bombers in the field. So uh, it, was a, it was a tough crowd, and there was... There were so many interesting names throughout the season in the, the bomber class, and uh, Frank did a good job navigating all that and held on to win the championship. Chase Simons wins Rookie of the Year, got three wins to his credit, 
the first like quarter of the season, you could tell he was still learning, but once he got it, man, they that that whole team it was feast or famine though, but you could tell Chase was confident behind the wheel, and that's the first step to success is being confident and then kind of letting the races come to you. So yeah, uh Chase had some bad luck in some races didn't go his way. Could have changed how things went for the season, but uh, rookie of the year. Can't take that title away from him. Three wins out of 11 starts, not bad. Three wins, seven top fives, nine top tens there for Chase Simons. Coming home third in points, making all the races this year with his first career top five, 10. Listen to this, Chuck Brewer with the most top tens on the season. How about that? Um, Chuck Brewer, one top five, 10 top tens, and 11 starts, third in the points. That's a good season. Old skinny, Kenny Roth came home fourth, got up one top five, career best. Um, and then nine top tens and 11 starts. He he had a quiet but solid season and kept himself out of trouble for the most part. So Kenny had a, a successful rookie year. And uh, fourth place in points, he'll get to go have his name called at the banquet. Rounding out the top five would be Aaron Foy, who did double duty in the bomber classes for much of the season. Aaron Foy with two top fives, seven top tens, and eight in eight features in a V6. So um, he's top of the board in the V6 class, if that were a thing. Uh, but a pretty good year for Aaron. Uh, great year in, in the Bomber A division, as we talked about last week. Lucas Johnson finishes sixth in points, uh, made six races before having to go, to way, go away to boot camp. Um, he'll be back, though, uh, scheduled to be back for the World Series and the Family Fun Night. And then we'll see if he's able to make it for a few races in the regular season. But hey, uh, it was a good first year for Lucas, even though he only got to run half the season. One top five, five top tens. Nothing to nothing to uh, complain about there. Ben Say, the White Pony. This year was the demise of the White Pony, unfortunately. Ben Say, though, did get his first career win, and it was in the 30-lap special, uh, the biggest race of the season for the Bomber Bees. One win, three top fives, four top tens in five starts before the White Pony had to be put down. Jim Snyder was driving a, uh, a Bougie Motorsports uh, team car, the 23H. Finally got things figured out towards the end of the year, but it's a tough season for Jim. He finishes eighth in points, three top fives, uh, five top tens in six features. Once they got it figured out, he did pretty well, but he kept it interesting, that's for sure. Oh, William Huggy Bear Heinemann finishes in the ninth position in points. Only made five features, but got two victories, four top fives, and four top tens for his trouble. Um, Williams, one of those guys, man, he races when he, when and where he wants to and, uh, does really well in the Enduros, but that badass Chevrolet Monte Carlo, he's got, that thing's badass and, I uh, hope we see it more next year, but two wins, not a bad season. Let's see, running out of the top 10, Jason Scroverin, ran about half the season with six starts, um, had a victory taken away because he had the wrong tires, uh, that's my biggest nitpick about the Bomber B division, not going to talk about that though, you, you've all heard it. Um, but again, zero wins, two top fives, four top uh, tens in six features, running out the top ten in points. So let's go see where the rest of our winners were. There was a bunch of other people here down the list. Tony Bromley, 16th in points, two wins, four feature events. Um, Brandon Gaither got a win. Uh, in uh, He just made three starts, finished back at 19th in points. And Dustin Higdon got a win in the season as well. But those guys did not run much of the year and finished a little bit further down in the standings. But nonetheless, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different winners in 11 or 12 feature events, however many it, it 
was throughout the year. Um, yeah, man, that's that's pretty good. I'm glad to see this division coming alive, and I think it's going to. If it didn't explode this year, it's going to explode. I think we're going to have 15 plus cars a week in that. I think there are nights where we might have 20 of these things, and uh, you know, as the season goes, we might lose a few, gain a few here and there. I think uh, 2024 is going to be the bomb for the Bomber B division. With that said, we are nearing the end of our 2023 season recap here on the Race from the Ryan podcast. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We've got three divisions left in the bucket. If you've been keeping along with the last couple of uh, segments here, you'll know what three divisions they are, but you don't know what order they're going to be in. So stay tuned. The end of the review coming up after the break. Hey everyone, we're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive. So we welcome on board the sponsorshipseminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things. And that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the sponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99. And you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together, get your friends together, have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar, and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer. You can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself. And then, like I said, invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge, and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body 
for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about six o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386 320 0267. And they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 EMOD slash AMOD, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, Make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bullring at Auburdale and the big track over at the New Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open um, just message us here on the Racing with Ryan Facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934 and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We have three divisions left to recap in our season review, so let's go ahead and get right into it. If you made it this far, you really want to hear about these last three classes. So here they are, picking out of the bucket, we have the Modifieds, the Modified Division. They also had a six-race challenge series. That's what we're going to start calling these things, the Modified Challenge Series. And uh, it was okay. It was okay. I've talked uh, about the, the Modified Division quite a bit over the years here on the show. And I'm not – I have nothing against the Modified class. Like I've said with the E-Mods, the this and the that – Badass cars. This division has just been tough on the weekly draw. Um, so I think going to the six race deal where it's a little bit less that you have to commit to and um, you know, a little more bang for your buck. In my opinion, you know, if you're if you go get the sponsorship seminar, the sponsorship manual, it's a lot easier to find support for six events than 16, right? So I think that's kind of what we're looking to do, you know, get these, make these events important. And I feel like they were this year. Um, now, this was a six-pack series, 
but it went five races. We did have a rain out, and then we we're going to do double races, and that got a lot of backlash because of the the formatting. So we went. We had a double feature event. We doubled down, made it like two thousand a win, double features, and that definitely mixed it up a little bit. And we had a very interesting season. Uh, for much of the year, it looked like Jason Lester was going to be the man to get the championship. Um, got two wins on the year and ran three of the five races, but didn't come to the last two. So he he was really the, the guy who was going to win this championship and uh, then decided, you know, other things came up and he decided that uh, that wasn't his focus anymore. And hey, if that's the case, then you should be doing those other things. So um, Lester had a good year, you know, one, two out of three. That's pretty good. And, uh, and then he went out and dominated a mini stock race at uh, Auburndale. So it really doesn't matter what or where this guy races. He's, he's good, whether you like him or not. And that's my favorite thing. When you don't like somebody, I'd rather go and, and you know, be there to root against them than, uh, you know, talk about them on Facebook. So um, this was another series, uh, another season of Jerry Simons. The Hammer did get the championship, picked up a win towards the end of the season. And uh, it was the, yeah, it was the penultimate race that he won after it was kind of a slow start to him. But Jerry Simons wins the championship here, wins the points by 46 over Alan Bruns. So Simons with one win, four top fives, five top tens, and five features. Alan Bruns second in the points with two top fives, zero wins, five top fives, and five races. Shane held. Good season for Shane. Good bounce back year for, for Shane, which is always good to see. And um, he's going to finish the season third in the points with three top fives, five top tens in the five starts. And our rookie of the year for the Modified Challenge Series this year was Brian Gaten up from the Bomber Division. Uh, still learning the ropes of his car. It was kind of a tough season, but he hung in there. He gets fourth in the standings, five top tens in five races. And again, he gets to go to the banquet, gets to win rookie of the year, and they can't take that away from him. I think he's got uh, plans to race a little bit more. I think he's, if I remember correctly from what he told me at Governor's Cup, because he was showing me around how he how he put the car back together. I was very impressed by his craftsmanship. And um, I think he's got a new piece for the Modified Challenge Series, and he might actually run some EMOD races because he felt like his biggest downfall of the, the six-race series is not being on track as much. So he's going to try to run some EMOD races in between, try to keep him, you know, keep him warm, you know, so he doesn't get rusty. Uh, fifth in the point standings, Jason Lester. We talked about him with the two wins in the three races this year, uh, which is kind of like two wins and four starts since one of them was combined into double points. Wayne Parker, another driver that disappeared halfway through the season. I know Wayne got frustrated when he ran out of gas in that one crazy race where we had all the rain. Um, then we had a car spin through and took forever to dry the track and ran out of gas. Um, I remember I had to stand up top in the spotter's nest during the race and I was standing next to Jason Boyd, and uh, I just remember Jason exclaiming, ran out of freaking gas and before he left the, the spotter stand. And then Wayne came, talked to the flagman, and that was the last we saw Wayne. So I'm not sure. I, I Sometimes I think about what happened, and I'm just like, oh, they got mad and, and left. Sometimes there's other circumstances. So hopefully we see more of Wayne in 2024, uh, but still sixth in points for Wayne. Matt Jarrett, seventh in the point standings, made three of the five races with three top tens to his credit. Oh, by the way, Wayne Parker's season, tough. Um, zero top fives, three top tens. Top tens were pretty easy to come by. Top fives, not as much. Um, Greg Crom, he had a great season. Um, the, the, the standings are kind of weird because one of the races was a double points race. Some of them weren't. Uh, but Greg Crom, eighth in points with 
Greg Crom's deal was he didn't qualify. There was a race where he didn't qualify, he didn't get qualifying points, and I think that was a double points race, so he kind of lost out on a good handful of points. <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of the uh, if you don't buy tires, you can't qualify rule. Uh, just punch them and let them go. But anyway, that's why I stay out of tech. Um, three top fives for Greg Crom in three features. Uh, pretty good. The, the, his car just never seemed to want to handle for him. It was fast, and it just... If he could get the handle on it, he'd be really good. But a, a good season. I mean, he ran most of this year and um, three top fives, man. That, that's pretty good for that 35 car. Really impressed. Ricky Moxley, ninth in the points, uh, made three of the five races. Uh, he was involved in a big wreck towards the end of the year, didn't make Governor's Cup, and that's what kind of took him out. He was DQ'd in a race as well. Um, so not, not a good season for Ricky for his standards. Two top tens in the three races, kind of tough. Dalton Nelson, though, on the other end of the spectrum, made two starts with two top fives and two top tens. Almost won the Governor's Cup race. Thought he was going to win it. Phantom caution. Well, not a phantom caution. Alan Bruns was in the wall, but it was a quick quick yellow that came out before Alan was done wrecking. And really, Alan continued on. Didn't really wreck, actually. He was trying to. He just never really did. Caution came out and uh, flipped the script there on Dalton Nelson. Bruce Bennett would get the win that night instead. And speaking of Bruce Bennett, um, 11th in points for Bruce with the win. So that gives us two, three, four. We'll scroll down and see where our other winner was. Uh, while you're listening to this, um, try to guess who the other winner was in the Modified Challenge Series, see if you're right. Um, so, yeah, going back to Dalton Nelson running on the top 10, to, to only come here and run twice for a team that's used to running the smaller tracks, um, I, I'm impressed with Dalton. I think he's really grown as a driver and um, got a Modified a Mayhem win. Good season for Dalton Nelson. Bruce Bennett was 11th in points with the victory. If you guessed Cody Stickler as the other winner, you were correct. He got the win during the um, World Series. And I was hoping that that would lead Cody to run a few more races. He inquired about running a few, um, but actually decided to go run uh, for points over at Auburndale with the late models. He ran the Modified of Mayhem series. That's what he decided to do this year. So um, didn't get to see more of Cody Stickler this year, but he did get the one win to give us our, our fifth winner of the season. A total of 24 drivers made starts throughout the World Series. Uh, I'm sorry, throughout the Modified Challenge Series. A handful of those were during World Series, but uh, we had a lot of drivers start coming in throughout the season, which was good to see. So, um, again, just like the Mod Minis, I think this Modified uh, Six Race Challenge Series has legs. And I hope we see some more competition um, going into next year. It's always going to be good between, you know, Jerry Simons, Wayne Parker, Alan Brun, Shane Held, those guys are always going to put on the show. It's always going to be fun to watch those veterans, but we need, uh, no offense to those veterans, but we need some young blood in, in this because uh, those guys aren't going to be around forever and they're holding the division together. They're, they're the glue. And now we need some, um, you know, tape and construction paper to go on top of that for lack of a better analogy to, to keep it going. So let's see what division we have next congratulations again to Jer to the simons family good season jerry with the championship and uh, chase with rookie of the year and second points in bomber bees so reaching in here two divisions left who's it gonna be who's gonna be next let's find out the super stocks lkq super stocks so if you've been paying attention as i go pull up the super stock points so i can talk about it what division is the remaining in the, the bowl, what division is it? Have you been paying attention? Let's see. 
Super stocks, LKQ super stocks. Here we go. This was a interesting thing. If there was one division that I was quote unquote, don't take this wrong, please. If there's one division I was disappointed in this year it was the super stocks. Not because of a lack of action. They're always action packed. We they just they're dwindling. And it's it makes me sad. That's the reason. It makes me sad. I love this class. I understand it is expensive to run a super stock now, you know, for uh, for pennies to win. I, I get it. It's tough. Only three drivers made all the races this year, and we saw more drivers fall out than continue on. So just um, disappointed for the class. Not in the class, but for the class. I, I, it's such a great class. I love these street stock, these square body type cars, man. So it just, it breaks my heart a little bit. But it was a fun year. I mean, there was great action. Um, we had a good battle in the points between Blake Clouser and George Spears. Um, we saw some new winners. We saw some new fresh faces throughout the season. Um, there is plenty of, of positive things to take away. I just, I hope that we see a rebound for the Super Stocks. It may not be in 24. I hope it is. But it, it don't matter. There could be six super stocks and it's going to be a whale of a race. And uh, it was a whale of a season for Blake Clouser. Three wins during the regular season. Might have even had another one here or there that didn't count for points. Got wins on dirt, got wins on asphalt, got to run sportsman, got to run super stock. Kid's going to be good. I mean, the kid's already good. But if he continues to work his way up the ladder, he's, he's going to, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, but Blake Clouser driving for David Gould. Gets the championship with a three-win season, nine top fives, nine top tens, and nine features. Um, that's a great stat line. I don't care if, you know, there were nights where there's only five cars who was guaranteed a top five, but for the fact that a rookie never put a wheel too far out of line to where he didn't finish outside the top five, that is impressive, folks. Let that sink in just a little bit. Um he beat George Spears, a veteran, by 75 points. Now, there was, just to put that in perspective, there was a, a week where George missed a heat race, so that cost him about 25 points. But still, you give him the 25 points, to, and, you know, Blake Clouser ran the heat too, so you give him 25 points, give Blake 24. It doesn't change a whole lot. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but George had a great year. Three wins, driving for Ed Barber in the 23. Uh, six top fives, nine top tens. Um, George... Grizzle veteran, man, but still getting it done. Um, Tyler Pernesti in his rookie season didn't get the victory, but really started to come on strong at the end of the year. Two podium finishes to wrap up 2023 for Tyler, including the Governor's Cup. Um, zero wins. He's still trying to get that, but eight top fives and nine top tens for Tyler. Uh, if it wasn't for Blake Clouser, would have taken home rookie of the year honors. Bobby Holly, uh, kind of a quiet year. For Bobby, during the regular season, he did not get a win, but six top fives, eight top tens. He did miss the last regular season race of the year, but came back for Governor's Cup weekend and won the 1,000 the to win specials. So not a lost season for Bobby, but kind of a down year. And we'll see. I've heard some rumors about what he's going to do next year, but hopefully we'll see him back. I always enjoy Bobby being out there. He definitely keeps the division action packed, whether he wants to be the action or not. Justin Spears came home fifth, defending track champion, brought out the new Dodge Challenger. If you ask Justin, it was cursed, so he's done with that. I think he's got something interesting coming up for next year. We'll see if that's going to play out or not. But uh, despite the troubles, Justin hangs on for fifth in points. Um, zero wins, one top five, six top tens, and six starts. Rich Clouser is sixth in the points. He got a win, four top fives, five top tens, and five races. If Rich raced more, he would have given uh, Blake a run for his money. Could you imagine father and son going for the championship? 
Paul Kochi, seventh in points to get a regular season win. Three top fives, four top tens, and four starts. Um, his season cut short by suspension. Um, kind of a crappy situation there. Um, kind of a, a heat-of-the-moment situation accidentally, uh, well, not accidentally cut on tape. He knew he was being filmed, um, but accidentally released to the masses and got himself in some hot water, had to uh, had to cleanse his potty mouth and got to come back and uh, chose to only run select races. And, um, you know, he kind of misunderstood my perspective on something a couple weeks ago and his, um, he's, he's he going to have to wash his mouth out with soap again if he ain't careful. But uh, anyways, uh, seventh in the point standings for him, despite only running four races this year. Gage Spears, um, you know, if Paul Kochi can hit the reset button and come back next year, he's a championship contender. He's like the championship contender in my eyes next year. Just I want to spin that positively because I don't, I don't want him to think I'm j- taking jabs. Uh, Gage Spears, here's a driver I think could come back and actually make waves next year because he was running good. Um, he almost won a heat race and then started it on the pole in the feature and overdrove coming off turn number two and collected with David Russell in a grinding crash that set his season back, got a new car, new motor, then proceeded to blow it up and uh, finally came back at Governor's Cup, ran respectably. I would expect Gage to, if he can keep the car underneath him uh, mechanically and you know driver-wise, I think he can do good next year outside championship contender if they run all year for sure uh brandon johnson would be ninth in points four starts in the season with two top fives and four top ten steven metz only made three starts on the year before it started to go downhill for him but he still finished his 10th in points with a top five and three top tens he got that top five towards the middle of the season and the wheels just came off um other notables here as far as wins go doug samian finished 11th in points he got a win just two starts Jarrett corpy only a couple of starts wrecked his Frankenstein car at the beginning of the year. Got Well, got caught up in something. He didn't wreck. He just he got in a wreck. Um, came back towards the end of the year and looking strong, so maybe a chance we see more of him. Um, yeah, just overall kind of a it, it, more of a down year for the Superstocks this year, but still great action, great competition. Instead of like the whole rivalry situation that we had in, in 22, it was more of a, a competitive rivalry this year versus a you hit me, I'm going to hit you back type rivalry. So, you know, a, a down year, but still plenty to write home about. So here it is. It's the last one. Did you figure out which division has not been talked about yet? It is perhaps the most dramatic championship battle we had all year. That was the Ashley Holmes Jacks trucks. And again, Last in our bucket, but not last in our hearts. The Florida Pro Trucks, if you've listened to uh, the interviews, uh, at the beginning of the show, Eugene Tuminello talked about how he thinks pro truck racing is one of the best divisions in Florida right now, and he's not wrong. Uh, it was one of the best divisions we had all year year long. Uh, e- even the, the night where, you know, the, the gem of Florida right now, the Freedom Factory, had a race the same night as us, we still had a fantastic championship finale uh, perhaps race of the year worthy. And uh, it was an awesome championship battle. Came right down to the last lap, the final straightaway. And uh, it would end up being Richard Levance who would win the championship. And Richard, you know, we, we've talked to him on the show. Go back and listen to his interview from a few weeks ago because it really puts into perspective what they did this year. I mean, a ton of effort. He needs a sponsor to keep racing. So, if anybody wants to help uh, defending track champion Richard Levance continue on, please get with him and um, 
throw him a bone if you can. Um, I know he wants to focus on his daughter racing, but I think he still has the itch and he's so competitive, so good. Um, kind of surprisingly good this year. I mean, the, the man has talent, no doubt about it, but um, I did not foresee him necessarily winning the championship. Winning a couple of races, sure. Um, and, and I mean, no disrespect, but that just tells you what an effort this team put in. They One of the longest hauls to get here. Actually, quite a few people had long hauls that ran the full season, which is awesome. But, um, you know, quite a few hours just to get here. And then battle through. They, they were rained out several times. They only got five races in. But they were five really, really good ones. And like I said, the best championship battle. So Richard Levance wins the championship. And if you remember... He and Beckham Monopoly were in a dogfight that final race, and he needed to finish right where he did or else he was going to lose the title. And he's coming off turn number four to the checkers, gets caught up with Palmer Hag, who had a great season, actually won Rookie of the Year. We'll talk about that in a minute. And um, got spun out down the front straightaway, bounced off the inside wall, through the mud, through the rain, and just barely skidded across the line in the position he needed to win the track championship. So it was spectacular. It was crazy. But a great season for Richard Levance. Two wins, five top fives, the only driver to finish top five in every race, five top tens and five starts for the regular season. Becca Monopoly comes home second in the points, a valiant effort. She got one win, four top fives, five top tens, misses out on the title by two points. A couple of years ago, Becca won a championship on a tiebreaker with Jeffrey White based on like second or third place finishes. So a couple of years ago, it was in her favor. This year, not quite, but still a great effort in the blue truck. Richard Griffiths, a great season. Didn't get the victory he was hoping for, but two top fives, five top tens, made all the starts, third in points. Great effort for the driver at West Palm. Dalton Smith, local driver for many, many years, bounced between the late model and the truck, actually made all the pro truck starts this year. Good enough to get him fourth in the points. Team really started to hit on it late in the season. So I'm thinking 2024 could be the breakout for the 24 truck. Um, didn't get the win but uh, or a top five, but three top tens and five starts. And again, good enough to lock up fourth in the points. Taking home fifth in the final spot on the uh, for the championship banquet. Chuck Ayers, the Ashley Holmes Jacks uh, man himself, the man who is all but helped to resurrect the division. Yeah, we brought back the division a couple of years ago, but he decided to turn this into a bigger deal than it ever should have been. And we appreciate Chuck and his efforts to resurrect this division. And he finished fifth in the standings. He was he was strong towards the end of the year too. Um, two top fives, four top tens, and four features for him. A rookie of the year goes to Palmer Hag. Uh, made four of the five starts, three top fives, three top tens. Very impressed with how he ran for much of the season. And um, also, gonna be the, he's one of the few that can bounce between here and Auburndale and be competitive as well. Brian Sukup, seventh in points, one top five, three top tens and four starts. Jack Hall, um, not sure why it has an R next to his name, but he didn't win rookie of the year anyways. Um, Jack, consider where his season was in February when he was left for the broken steering shaft, not of his own doing, before he even got to start his race. Um, eighth in points after missing a race, uh, two top tens. So all in all, not bad there for Jack. Randy Kuhn would be ninth in the points, made all but one start with the top 10 and running out the top 10, even though they turned their focus to the sportsman towards the end of the year, Dylan LeBeau with a top five, two top tens and three feature starts, zero wins. However, his girlfriend got a win in that truck during the powder puff race back at the, uh, 
the the Armadillo Derby. Other notables, other winners. Again, five races, two wins for Rich Levance, one win for Beck Monopoly means there's two more drivers to look at here. Taylor Watson in the 25 got a victory in two starts. Uh, she went off to college this year and came down to race when she was able to, which we definitely appreciate. Good young racer, um, but definitely appreciate her going to, to school too because real life is still very important. Uh, but she got a win, two top fives, two top tens in her two starts. And the other win went to Daniel Webster in that very 25 truck. Um, he came out for the for one of the bigger races towards the end of the year, picked up a win, Five top or one top five, one top ten, obviously, because he won in one start. So Daniel Webster's first career win at New Smyrna. That blew my mind. I I knew it was his first win since I started calling races there, but Webster's been racing all over the place forever. So I, I was surprised at that, but happy for him too. And uh you, you can tell um it ain't no flu because Taylor Watson was getting the job done, and so was Daniel. So both those both those drivers can drive, if you ask me. Um, a grand total of 28 drivers making at least one start this year. Not bad at all. There was nights where we'd have 16 to 18 trucks. I think the worst was like 12 one night. Really good. Really good. Um, you know, I know it was last in the bucket, but it it kind of works out. Uh, with it being the most exciting championship battle, gives you a reason to keep listening. And also, help me segue into the end of this show, and congratulations again to Rich LeMans. Uh, we, we segue into the end of this thing by reminding you the uh, code up this weekend. By the time you're listening to this, make your plans to be at Auburndale Speedway. The charity race has been rescheduled to December 30th and 31st, I believe. So New Year's, New Year's Eve. Um, they're going to run Saturday night. They're going to run the, the local program Saturday night. And then Sunday afternoon is the main event. I think qualifying starts at like 12. No, I think qualifying is at like 1130 and racing starts at 1230. Uh, they're going to start with the Crown Vicks so that the Crown Vicks can then go over to Showtime and run over there. Wait, wait for the tracks to work together. I like it. I like it. And then um, the charity race will consist of the Pro Truck 100 and the 100 lapper for the super late. It's definitely going to be out there Sunday on the fence about Saturday. Um, I would like to go. I just, it might be too much of a turnaround for the youngster for us to do both nights, but either way, we'll be paying attention to that night. We'll see how things go. And, uh, definitely if you can, if you're, especially if you're local, make your way out there, but if anything, get out there for Sunday, it's going to be a heck of a show. Uh, I think the locals will put on a great show on Saturday too, but you know what I mean? So, uh, make your plans to be out there. We will recap all of that. I think we're going to try to get Steve on the show to uh, to discuss that and tell his story as well. At least that is the plan, if we can make it all happen. Appreciate our guests over the last couple of weeks. Hope you guys enjoyed the look back at the 2023 New Smyrna Speedway season as I remember it. And, um, yeah, hope you all had a great Christmas and hope you celebrate a happy new year. Um, again, we will have the recap of the charity race in on the next show, as long as, you know, weather doesn't screw that up again. And then we have the red eye right around the corner. We have the new Smyrna banquet, which I have something fun planned for the show that week as well. And then we have family fun night and we take a breather and then we go right into the world series. So if you have, you know, listen, the last couple weeks have been tough. I've had to be a little more creative to get shows out to you if you're missing your racing on the podcast it's coming it's coming but thank you all for listening thank you to our guests the last couple of weeks for helping to make these complete shows and uh yeah merry christmas happy new year appreciate y'all listening it out there support your local short tracks 
We'll talk to y'all on the next one. Vroom, vroom on.